Hello, everyone. Welcome to You, Me, Them, Everybody. My name is Brandon Weatherby. This episode with Brad Burns is all about the Seattle Supersonics, the uh, once great team from Seattle, hopefully a, a future great team from Seattle. Uh, uh, yesterday on the show, we had the director of a documentary about the Wash. Sorry, about the Washington, about the Vancouver Grizzlies. So I figured it was a good time to uh, bring Brad on the show. Brad hosts the Sonics podcast, Simply Sonics. Uh, you might enjoy this if you listen to Jack and Maya's episode about the Last Dance. You'll really enjoy uh, the first episode of the second season. It features Sean Kemp. Um, it's Sean Kemp. I mean, if you're listening to this, you know who Sean Kemp is. It's a very fun episode. Uh, it's even more fun if you are a fan of Chicago Bulls and not the Seattle Supersonics like myself. So um, it was cool to hear them not win the 95-96 NBA championship. Anyways, uh, he's also part of the Truth and Basketball podcast. So all that is available in our podcast descriptions. Uh, it's a weird time. Uh, because it's a weird time, we now have a Patreon account. Please consider donating at youmethemeverybody.com. It's on our About page, and it's also in this podcast description and pretty much every podcast description since this started. Uh, this used to primarily be a live show, and we do not do it live anymore because we are responsible and don't want to get anyone sick. But because there's no live show, there's no anything else. So at those live shows, there would be a bar and wonderful attendees, Maybe you yourself uh, offered to buy one of us a drink, and I would always say, no, thank you. The bar is taking care of us. Well, the bar cannot take care of us anymore, so maybe you could do that. Consider donating roughly a drink a month because all that stuff would help. Um, I hope the Sonics get a team, not just for Brad, but for the city of Seattle. It's a great city. It deserves it. And you know what? I think this is the podcast that's really going to push it over the edge, and uh, Adam Silver is going to wake up and realize, yeah, Seattle deserves a basketball team. Here's, the, uh, here's our chat with Brad. I'll start with the obvious. Why does Seattle deserve an NBA basketball team? Seattle deserves an NBA basketball team because Seattle at its core is a basketball city. The Sonics were the first professional team in Seattle. We had have an unbelievable fan base. Uh, the team was stolen from us. The, the history, not only of the Sonics, but of basketball in Seattle is unbelievably rich. So uh, I could go on for for days talking about why we need to need an NBA team, but but those are just a, a few few uh, talking points to get get us started. I clearly agree with everything you just said, but have you met anyone that would think Seattle does not deserve a team? There are some people locally. I believe they are called the Coalition better things mm -hmm. and, it, and it really wasn't about the team it was more so about the arena of course and that's that's another conversation altogether so but that's from like the mid i'm talking about now in 2020 is anybody against the sonics returning home not that i'm aware of but but there are some very very progressive people that, that live in seattle that, that were not here when the sonics left 12 years ago i i would imagine they could potentially have issues with with an NBA team coming back, but I, I could care less. Seattle needs a team, and, and the sooner we get a team, the better. It's fair to say, based on fan uh, based on fan bases, that the NBA is the most liberal. That being said, uh, their ownership isn't the most liberal as it should be, and the team and the ownership group that took the Sonics and moved them to Oklahoma City is not at all aligned politically with 
the politics of the Seattle region. Do you believe that the next owners need to be aligned politically for this to succeed, or do you think it'll just be another situation where you're doomed to fail sooner or later, an, a staunch Republican will take them away and take them to a red state? <laughs> that's that's a great question. I don't think, regardless of, of party politics, that whoever the, the future owner is would be willing to turn their back on such a, a, a prosperous economic city like Seattle. Um, there's a lot of money here, great market. Why you would take this team out of Seattle and move them to Oklahoma City, I think is is purely for your own personal benefit. I know Clement is understandably a, a hero in, in Oklahoma and Oklahoma City. So, um, you, you know, I, I, I don't foresee any situation r- regardless of, of where the future owner stands. Um, and, and hopefully they, they are not on, on the more conservative side, but I know a lot of NBA owners are, especially given uh, their financial backgrounds. But I, I really don't see that uh, as, as a concern. Let's, let's get a team back here and, and let's, uh, let's go from there. That's, Do you that's think the, the success of the, uh, the WNBA Seattle team and the potential and the future NHL team, the Kraken. Do you think that these are clear signs that an NBA team is on its way, or maybe these two things in theory should fill that, that hole in your heart? Definitely not going to fill the hole in my heart. I don't know if it's a a sign that, that the NBA is on its way. Mm -hmm. Look, there, there, there are so many other contributing factors. I know originally it was, was because of the arena and when they were the kings were sold they were moving to seattle um the the way the nba has has transformed in the last 10 years from from an ownership standpoint where 10 years ago there were conceivably 10 plus teams for sale or Mm -hmm. struggling financially and i think we could very well return to a similar situation based on COVID. I know a lot oh, sure. of the owners are, are leveraged pretty highly depending on, on how they made their money. So if they're, they're looking to sell, um, the Sonics become an interesting possibility. And then, then the other part of that is these owners have lost a considerable amount of money, um, from, from ticket revenue and, and concessions, whatnot. Um, so if, if they're looking for a quick cash infusion, having expansion, which the league up until this point has not really considered strongly, but that could be an, another path for, for Seattle to get a team again. So yeah. How do you want, okay. Number one, should I refer to this potential team as the Sonics or the Seattle basketball team? The Sonics. I, okay. I can't imagine a team's coming back here and they're not going to be named the Sonics. Do you want a, do you want Oklahoma city to return home or do you want a Baltimore Ravens, Cleveland Browns type of situation where, um, where the the team goes away, but it's actually the same team. It's like we have different histories of the team, but you just have a brand new Sonics. How, how do you foresee this happening? I want to keep the Sonics history. Okay, I, I, I think it would be a damn shame for Seattle to not retain the name or the history. I believe Clay Clay Bennett owns that at the moment. He does. So hopefully. Yeah, hopefully that that uh, that can be worked out over time. But hey, let's get a team back. I, I I don't care if it's you don't care if it's team. expansion or Oklahoma City leaving Oklahoma. No, I mean are they, are they planning on leaving? I don't I don't think they're going to leave anytime no. soon. 
the the downside for expansion is you're going to have a, a pretty awful team for a few years. See, I would respectfully uh, disagree with that. And I think that the bubble is the is proof positive that you could throw together a championship team in under two years if you want to. You think? A hundred percent. I don't know. If you tell, if you tell LeBron championship team together in two years, LeBron James, if you tell LeBron James, <laughs> you have a 51% ownership stake, you get a $0 salary. You are now the owner player of the Seattle supersonics. LeBron's going to do that. No, that's a good point. And we're in the player empowerment era. Mm-hmm. So if look, I, I wouldn't be shocked if, if KD a few years from now, if, if Seattle's on the table and, and that's an option, I know he has said that, that he wants to come back to Seattle somehow. Um, and, and maybe that is uh, what what gets players to, to Seattle and they can put together a, a decent team. For me, I, I would hate for another city to, to have to go through mm-hmm. what the fans of Seattle have gone through. Selfishly, any way we can get a team, whether that's through re- relocation or, or expansion, is is cool with me. I mean, even, even if it's expansion and, and it doesn't involve LeBron or KD and the team sucks, that, that's still better than what we've got. I believe that there's so many great players out there and the internet and the G League has made it so obvious that I don't think the the talent pool would be so diluted to not just expand to four more teams, two in the East, two in the West, fill in the holes that, that those moves made, give Vancouver another team, give Seattle another team, and then maybe Pittsburgh, maybe Buffalo, maybe Montreal, something like that for the East – I don't see that making the league any worse than it is. You think they could add four more teams? A hundred percent. Yes. If you truly want to be a global game. Yeah. You you need to do that. You don't need to do that. It would be beneficial. Absolutely. I don't disagree with that. I, I think where the league is from, from a, a talent standpoint, they absolutely could, could handle two more teams. Mm-hmm. Throwing in four makes it a little dicey. Just what if you do of- four over t- like ten years? Like you announce them all at once, but similar to the Kraken, like Kraken wasn't instant; they were two years out. You could do it in that way, and it would maybe even give college players more incentive to get the hell out of college. And that's not a bad thing uh, for anybody because I think college sports is modern day slavery. So clearly, I'm a bleeding heart liberal. <laughs> I'm with you on that that college sports front. I don't know if you've you paid attention to what they're doing in the G League mm-hmm. um, and and how they're they've got that team dedicated to to guys that that would be going to college and mm-hmm. decided to play uh, play G League hoop for a year and then they'll they'll go to the draft. Um, I don't know if if adding four teams eliminates uh, the college feeder system or, or whatever that becomes, but. To me, four teams, I, I feel like that, that takes us back to early to mid-90s, even you know through the early 2000s, where there was really just a, a, a shortage of talent. There were some very poor teams throughout the league. What the league has now in terms of the product is, I think, is as good as it's ever been. And I know that, that they feel that way, too. So so the goal, obviously, is to, to not dilute what they have on the court. Yeah, I don't think that any team at the start of the season save for maybe like the Knicks is doomed to fail. 
the Knicks, the Wizards will will somehow screw it no, up. No, but the, well, the, yeah, the Wizards. Together. That's the thing. The Wizards on paper have a superstar. They have a top twenty player. Like they yep. could, in theory, do something. They're not going to. I'm a Bulls fan. We're not going to do anything as long as we're paying mm-hmm. Zach Levine. But the potential to be great is there. It's just a. It's a series of uh, injuries and and coaching decisions away from success or failure. That's why I think that you could add four more without really taking a hit. If Seattle's one of those four, that's <laughs> that's terrific. That's, like I said, that is that is the the number one goal uh, here in Seattle, and, and a, a big reason why we started the Sonics Forever podcast. Do you fear that the longer this goes on, the more we're treading on nostalgia, which is inherently a double edged sword? I wouldn't say it's a fear, but we're 12 plus years into it now. Mm-hmm. There's as much as we want to tell ourselves a, a team is coming back. There isn't necessarily a, a clear path to that at the moment for the reasons that I, I laid out Absolutely. previously. So, I mean, the nostalgia is, is what keeps us warm at night. Mm-hmm. It, it's what keeps that, that fire burning for Sonics fans. And, I think it's important to keep that conversation going to, to not let those feelings die to, to keep, um, keep those players in that history close to us. You know, it's, it, it's no different than, than what happened with the expos in Montreal. Mm-hmm. They had a, a really rich history that has gone more or less forgotten. I know uh, there, there is a push in Montreal to bring a, a major league team back there um, is, is, is there should be. Uh, but you know, we, we have Lenny Wilkins coming on the pod uh, later this week. This guy is unbelievable when you when you look at, at his resume as a player, as a coach, um, incomparable. And he has no team to celebrate his history. That's that's heartbreaking to me. Don't some Seattle fans partially blame Lenny Wilkins for letting the Sonics leave? That's news to me. Okay, I thought he was. More. I thought he because the because wasn't he part of the ownership or like part like dealing with the ownership group when that sale happened. The ownership group hired him. I believe he he had a few different titles. Yeah, but he was some sort of of chairman. Uh, and all this this will come out on uh, on our Sonics Forever episode with Lenny. But my feeling is is he was taken advantage of by the by the ownership group where it said let's get the the most well-respected sonic we possibly can yeah. we'll hire him we'll, we'll say we made a good faith effort we'll, we'll send him out and it's not gonna we're still going to oklahoma city yeah. lenny ended up leaving that that job I, and i believe that's that's the reason why he he recognized that that he was just a pawn does any part of you take satisfaction when oklahoma city consistently fumbles and wastes a, a wonderful opportunity. <laughs> I think I think they've already fumbled and, and wasted that opportunity. I was scared to death in twenty twelve when they were in the finals yeah. against Miami. Yeah. And and throughout the the whole KD era. Because to me, I'm thinking these are moments that I should be with my friends and family celebrating. Mm-hmm. These would be just it would have been so much fun. Um and, and, and I've said this many times before, but you know, on top of losing the franchise, to me, what what hurt just as much was was losing KD. Yeah, I, I spent 
a lot of time at, at Kirina that last season. And, and even as a rookie, I, I saw flashes of, of what he would become. And it's no shock to me that, that even now um, he's a, a top 20 all-time guy. Will you uh, be rooting for him when he actually suits up for the Nets? Oh, yeah. Okay. Absolutely. So I'm not you... a huge guy, but I, I want to see KD succeed. I, oh, I sure. love KD. Um, he's probably the best chance that you have of a former player making an ownership group type of thing happen. Um, you you also are should I say you're friends with the bassist of Guns N' Roses? Of course, I'm not referring to Tommy Stinson, the <laughs> replacements uh, bassist who became the bassist of Guns N' Roses for more than a decade. I'm talking about Duff. Um, is it fair to say that you have a relationship with Duff? I don't know if I go as far as to say that, that that we have a relationship. But he's a, a Sonics fan. He's a Seattle guy. He, he is a he's a Seattle fan. He's he's a, a uh, he's a great guy. He he came on the podcast mm-hmm. uh, with with Sam Perkins. We had a, a a great conversation with him. It seems I, like Guns and Roses play. I don't know ten shows at uh, the former Key Arena. That alone should finance a new team. You know what I mean? <laughs> like the money yeah. could be there. You're not a small market. It doesn't make financial sense not to have a team there. No, it really doesn't. And at this point, I don't think the money is the issue. There, there were a few years, especially after Balmer paid two billion for the Clippers, where I felt like there were there wasn't the money wasn't here. Mm-hmm. It's just such a for as much money as there there is in Seattle, finding somebody to to pony up a billion or two billion. It uh, wasn't so easy. I, I've softened my stance on that just because, honestly, what Amazon's done in the last couple of years yeah. and what their stock has done. I, I'm sure there's enough money, whether it's from a single individual or or a consortium. I know that you know, there, there's a lot of venture capital money out there that, that wants to get in not only to the, the NBA, but, but any professional sports league. Where do you hope the Sonics play when they return? At this point, there's no other place for them to play than what are they calling it? Greenleaf Arena, global friendly or climate change? I don't even know what they're calling it. To be, it, it's always going to be the key to me. Okay, but that's the really the only spot at this point. Chris Hansen, who was part of the group that purchased the Kings, he bought up quite a bit of real estate uh, in the Soto area, and, and his grand vision was to, to create something like the the lakers have with la live mm-hmm. um but I, it, the city thwarted those efforts at, at every turn so that's that's not happening the only viable option w- would be the uh future home of the kraken okay i need to i can't do you, do you know the name i always no, i don't <laughs> it's a ridiculous name i eventually it'll uh it'll become second nature to me honestly i stopped paying attention to arenas once like the bubble happened and the bubble is making me think long and hard about location if none of this matters so if the lakers don't play any of their playoff games in staples why why are they the laker why are they the los angeles lakers not just the nba lakers you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so maybe this is the perfect time to announce to 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 revamp the cell sorry to revamp the sonics and let the bubble sort itself out for the next year and then 2022 is the first year everyone's safely back in arenas you know what i mean like this is the time to do giant moves that will make people excited about the future while still paying attention to the product 
and maybe signing guys that don't know about the Pacific Northwest or wouldn't be so happy with a rainy climate because they're going to be in Orlando indefinitely. I'm kind of into that. So your plan would be to have the team conceivably start next season or two seasons from now? The first year that they're actually back full-time, quote-unquote normal schedule, whatever that will be, whether it's like a mid-October start or like a Christmas start. But not until the bubble is over, until coronavirus is solved. So it might be like two years, three years, fine, whatever. Just do it that way. And have the team play. The the thing to me that that, that strikes me that that would be tough is to have that team play in the bubble in Seattle, not to have any face-to-face interaction with that team for for a year or whatever it is. See, I I disagree. I think if anything, that'd be a good thing because I think of – so. I've been watching way too many sports docs and one of them is like on the Carter effect, right? And it's about Vince Carter's time in Toronto and about how Vince Carter essentially like brought nightlife culture to Toronto and like that's his (laughs) legacy. And then the Stephen Marbury doc, like he was also in Toronto and like he hated the cold weather and all that stuff and he wanted to be with his friends in New York. And it's those kind of things that totally make sense to me if you're like a 20, 21, 22 year old young person that wants those things that cares about those things and if the pacific northwest could woo a person in the bubble that you will be loved and appreciated here they might want to make it a bigger destination if that makes sense it makes sense it's such a roundabout thought but trust me during during quarantine there's not much else to do other than watch docs about 90s and early aughts nba yeah no i i totally hear you i've I've watched the last dance at least Three to four times all the way through. See, I'm from Chicago, so this is so out of left field for me, all of this. Like, to hear a player not want to play in a certain city is crazy to me. It's like, yeah, you're in Chicago. It's the best city in the world. And to not have a winning championship team in all of your sports, it's like, well, of course we're going to win everything. We're Chicago. That's just how it is. That's messed up. I know I'm wrong. And I feel bad saying that to someone like you. (laughs) Last title in Chicago was it? It was the Cubs, right? Yeah, but um, before that was the Hawks in fifteen and thirteen yeah. and ten, and before Hawks that a couple titles and was then, the White Sox in 05, yeah. and then the Bulls in ninety eight, ninety seven, ninety six, ninety three, ninety two, ninety one. Before that was the Bears. So my entire life, every one of the five major teams has won a championship. You know, I would I would trade spots with you in a heartbeat. That's I'll, yeah, I'll, you should I'll have to show as a Super Bowl rank. Yeah, but that's the thing. Your team is so likable. Yours is the second most likable team in the NFL. Number one being the Packers. I'll take that. Yeah. I'm not so, going to argue that. Even now, like, I really like your team. And stop. There's no qualifi- like no qualifiers. Like, you're just a great team. You're a city that loves the team. And even – I didn't watch football for, like, over a decade because of the CTE stuff. Even then, I would casually be like, I still like the Seahawks. They don't seem like a bunch of idiots. <laughs> No, uh, fortunately, they've they've been very successful for the better part of the last decade. You know, Russell is uh, is a special player. Pete Carroll is a Hall of Fame coach, so there's there's not a lot to dislike with with that that franchise. But if if it were up to me, I would trade them for the Sonics or an NBA franchise in a heartbeat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, (laughs) you can't. But on the plus side, you get to see a total of uh, eight home games a year with the Seahawks. Isn't that nice? You get eight. 
Yeah, exactly. Jesus Christ. I think that's that's a, that's a good trade-off. Jesus Christ. Oh, man. I'm in D.C. now, and we clearly have the Wizards, and, and uh, they're not good. So that makes uh, going to games very easy and cheap and affordable. In a way, that's, that's not a terrible situation because no. then, then you can go see – Everybody else. Yeah. So I get to go to a Bulls game, and I think it was the battle for 10th place, and tickets for like, I don't know, 30, 13th row were like $10. NBA is still the NBA. It's and, pretty great. You know, when the Sonics first left, Washington, University of Washington men's basketball was pretty strong. Um, they they consistently won, consistently made the tournament. So it was wasn't wasn't such a hard break mm-hmm. but college the team has sucked for uh it's been a while since they've been good um and like you i i feel like uh college sports is is a form of slavery oh yeah and i don't don't care to support it um but also college basketball the product itself sucks too yeah so it uh you know to, to to have any sort of of NBA action, regardless if it's the, the worst team in the league or the best team in the league, to me is is much better than than what Seattle currently has yeah. at its disposal. Do you feel like you f- feel more connected to Seattle because the Sonics left? No, I okay. don't think so. And honestly, I, I feel like a lot of my connection to the Sonics, so much of this has to do with timing. So because I was coming of age right as those early to mid 90s Sonics teams were mm-hmm. coming of age. And the same thing for the Mariners too. I'm the biggest King Griffey Jr. fan in the world. My dog is named Griffey. That's great. Uh, because I, you know, I saw all this play out as I, as I was growing up and, and, and starting to, to understand and appreciate sports. And the, the further out I get from it, the more appreciation I have that I got to experience those things. I have, cousins that are in their 20s now who have never experienced a, a winning baseball team a yeah. baseball team in the playoffs or what it was like for an NBA team to be in the finals and the energy that's created from that in the city and they experience it a little bit with the Seahawks but those those ties with with not only the the George Carl Sonics teams but the 78 79 team that, that won the title mm-hmm. run so unbelievably deep it, it, it's like family to to seattleites so losing the team was like losing a family member uh, may i ask your age i am 38 okay so i'm one year younger than you so we're the same so did you like the movie space jam when it was released it was a little juvenile for me okay it i mean it's michael jordan so yeah it, anything jordan i love but you know the Looney Tunes thing. I, I was I was a couple years ahead of that. Yeah. Great soundtrack, though. I, I would not say <laughs> Sp- 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 only not now. Only now you really appreciate the soundtrack because movies. it's twenty twenty. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. So uh, yeah, I mean it's. I don't think it makes any top ten list uh, sports movies, basketball movies. It just doesn't cut it for me. I, I apologize if if you're connected to, to no I'm, might... I'm i'm in the minority where i think it's a horrible horrible thing and um yeah i think it's i think it's horrible it's it's ridiculous i watched it i think it might have been on prime it was it's on netflix or one of them it's on something yeah, right now it, it, and i watched it just you know for 
for giggles. And the whole time I'm thinking, God, how, what was, what was Michael thinking? Number one, because he, he filmed that coming off the 95 loss to Orlando. Mm -hmm. So they hadn't even won. What, What would have happened if he came back in 96 and, he wasn't Superman again. Well, that's feel, why that last like dance episode was the only actual interesting episode to me is the Looney Tunes foot, the, sorry, not the Looney Tunes, the Warner Brothers lot footage, because now knowing that he was using that as a training camp and like a vetting process for other players, it makes me, it doesn't make me like the movie, but it makes me understand the movie a hell of a lot more. Yeah. But even I mean, thinking about LeBron doing the, the Space Jam reboot, I, it's so odd to me that that it had the cultural impact that it did, honestly. See, that's the thing. I think it, Maybe we're – I don't think it did have that impact. I think it was only in retrospect that it had that impact. I think it's in like the last five years <laughs> we've seen Space Jam stuff in like Urban Outfitters. But I think for us it didn't make any dents, but for people five years younger than us, three years younger than us, it really mattered. No, you're totally right. And I was raised on Michael Jordan can fly with me. Yeah. Which, again, in retrospect, is just sheer NBA propaganda. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I'm, nobody will ever convince me that that Michael Jordan is not the greatest basketball player ever. Um, and I, I'm just such a, a Jordan geek. Um, went to school in D.C., was was in D.C. When, when Michael was playing for the Wizards. Caught a handful of his games, including uh, his 40-point game as a 40-year-old, which mm-hmm. I believe was also his last 40-point game. <laughs> You know, it, Michael w- didn't play in Seattle, so obviously my the feelings that I have for Griffey and, and guys like Sean Kemp and Gary Payton are are different. But uh, Michael, I, I just I adore Michael. Every everything about Michael. It's so interesting because I would gr- I clearly grew up in Chicago and I saw Jordan at the old Chicago Stadium and and I don't feel that oh, way. You in Chicago St- what was Chicago Stadium like? Honestly, smoky. Okay. So you could smoke right. in the building <laughs> and every game was sold out since like 87, 88, something like that. And so the only time I got to see him was the 92 season when they beat the Blazers. It was not a finals game. It was just like another midweek game or whatever. And we were in the top level. Uh-huh. And so all the smoke would just like collect the top of the stadium. So I, I think it's, that's kind of cool. I it's wish, really cool. It's I really wish cool. the NBA did a better job of appreciating the older arenas, whether that's Chicago Stadium, Boston Garden, or even the Forum. See, now you say that, but go, the difference between United Center and Chicago Stadium is like, yeah, the United Center is way better. <laughs> it's like it's, and they literally it's it's in the same location. It's just they built it across the street, they tore the other one down. I'm cool with that. I like the way they made the new garden look. The the I, I like the feel of the Boston situation. So I understand it. Um, I think the only real true palace left for the NBA is the garden. Is that it fair? Is. Yeah. yeah. And absolutely. And that's cool. And that's maybe the only thing that that city, not the city, that the only thing that team has going for it. I can't think of anything else. Yeah. Anyways. Um, yeah. I didn't feel, I didn't, love Jordan that much I just he was Never. cool no I loved him but like it wasn't to the level like that M- like true NBA fans are well, definitely during the second run I was a way bigger Rodman fan because he was way more interesting and then also it's like Jordan left and Pippen yeah. didn't so but Pippen also set out that last series in the Knicks series when it was just Pippen in 94 so it's like I guess I'm a coach person like there was no one to 
to adore then in if you were there there was a ton of people to really like but if you followed that team every day you're like yeah jordan still left and i didn't even at that age i didn't buy into the propaganda that he's a good person so i used to be a caddy and um there was one black person that was uh, allowed to golf at the place i golfed in oakbrook illinois and it was michael jordan so that's another reason why i was like i don't trust you man <laughs> it's it's such an interesting take and you know, prior to the last dance, I wouldn't say I was down on Jordan, mm -hmm. but I feel like he could do so much more with his voice. Yeah. And he's had had some moments where, where he's kind of come out of hiding. I don't know if that was to to promote the last dance. It was to not have the LeBron Jordan <laughs> conversation. Let's be honest. Yeah. The only reason why. But I at my core, I believe in Michael Jordan. And even if he is not does not live up to to this image that was created for him. I think that he is one of, if not the most seminal figure in American sports history. And even that alone is, is, is something to, to be appreciated. Um, I, I'm curious. So, so the only last dance episode that you liked was the Space Jam episode. Oh, I didn't like I that episode. I just thought that was the best part. The Space Jam was horrible propaganda by a man that's suffering from jaundice because Michael Jordan is also the greatest drinker alive. And uh, I didn't dig it in the way I wanted to. They didn't really go deep in any way whatsoever. But of course they weren't going to go deep. Like they wouldn't have okayed the foot. Like Jordan wouldn't have allowed that to happen. And did I enjoy it? Oh my God, I loved it so much, but it's not a good piece of work. Have you watched it on Netflix? No. Is it different? It's entirely different. How, how it flows, how everything connects. It's much, much more cohesive than having a, a commercial break every 10, 15 huh. minutes. I, I, I was shocked by it. Okay. And, and I, you know, I guess I'll probably get in trouble for saying this, but George Carl and I, um, so we were doing our, our Truth and Basketball yeah. with George Carl podcast. And then, on Sunday nights, we would do a recap. Yes, and of, I listened to those. Oh, okay, awesome. Yeah, so we we would recap that, and I was to just get ahead of it. I, I was downloading. I downloaded the first eight off of a, a torrent site, so mm -hmm. it was brand had ESPN branding everywhere. It was um, it was a, a pretty rough way to watch it, and then I would go and watch the the live telecast, then hop online and talk to George about it. So I've I've really enjoyed going back and and watching it again on Netflix, not having the commercial breaks, not having the the 15 second bumpers with Carmelo Anthony talking about, I don't, you know, whatever the hell he was talking I completely about. I love those bumpers. I love, it was you like those? I liked it because it was they pretty much Jordan. Sense. No, but it was great because it was Jordan being like, just so you know, LeBron, every one of your peers thinks I'm better than you. <laughs> yeah, that is, uh, that's one way to, to look at it. Um, but I, you know, I think he could have held back a lot more than he did. Oh, sure, sure. There was actually some glimpses of vulnerability, but at the end of the day, dude is insane, and I agree with you. He is the most important sports figure in American history thus far, but if LeBron is able to swing the election in two weeks, I'm going to say LeBron is more important, but unless he does that, yeah, Jordan, by the time we die, will probably be the most important American sports figure in our lives, if not of you all know, time. If if LeBron can can swing the election, um, he maybe, might, man. He might. We'll we'll see. Let's uh, let's keep our fingers crossed. 
I think it's it's either episode seven or episode eight where Jordan gets emotional at the end. He says, "If if you don't want to play that way, don't play that way." And he you start to cry. Break. Yeah. And it ends like that. Like I I get emotional watching that. To me, I feel like it it put me in. It gave me a better understanding of of everything that that he had to go through to be that great. It, it's not like he woke up and was Michael Jordan and uh, he sacrificed so much on on a personal level, on a professional level. And if you look at what the story of the Last Dance is telling, it's not just Jordan. They're they're talking about how that team came together and all of the different components that needed to fall into place for them to have really what's i don't know if we're calling the, the patriots a dynasty i feel like it oh yeah it took for place sure. over so many years <sighs> really oh they won six didn't they was it five or six you lose six and i think nine six and 18 years or something like that that's crazy yeah, uh, it is crazy no the 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 longevity definitely needs to be praised but... i'd say a dynasty is anytime you have three within six years Three and six years. Yeah, yeah, I, I could go with that. So I'll I, say I the, feel like you need, you need some back to backs in there. And, yeah, and, and, fine. So the Warriors, I'm gonna go. They're a dynasty. Yeah, for sure. That's because that's three and four. There's clearly a back to back there. I'll say the Lakers and the Celtics were dynasties, but not the Pistons just because they went back to back. The Rockets, no. The Lakers, I don't want to. When I say the Lakers, I meant the magic lakers but now i'm thinking about the kobe shack lakers i kind of think that they are even though i don't want to admit it no i i would agree that uh there's the, the their three-peat yeah uh, it was a dynasty what the lakers did in the 80s was a dynasty yeah but i don't know if i'd go with lebron's heat even though they made they did two and four if that makes sense I'm with that. And okay. one of those was, was in the, the lockout year, which. Yeah. But I, you got to remember they had that crazy winning streak. They did. They won, the, they won the 27 in a row. Yeah. So which like, is, which is really impressive, but they were, they were not invincible in the playoffs. They got challenged all four years. Oh yeah. Um, I, I wouldn't, wouldn't say that they were ever at a point where they were just steamrolling teams the way that some of these other dynasties, legit dynasties. Yeah. Heat. We're not, yeah. yeah. So they're not. No. But the Warriors definitely. But, you know, Golden, Golden State. Yeah. No, nobody was messing with that team. Like there's just, there's no chance. And speaking and of Golden thing. State, that's one of the episodes I thought I was going to enjoy was the Steve Kerr dad assassination episode. And there's definitely a lot there, but I felt like there was so much more to go into, but they didn't have time for it because it really. The only reason why we're even learning about this stuff is because Jordan was a dick to Kerr on the court once, and then <laughs> Kerr fought back. Like, that's the only reason why we're talking about this guy's dad that was assassinated. Like, that should be the episode. You know what I mean? I don't disagree. And, and the Steve Kerr stuff itself felt like a stretch. If he hadn't, if he wasn't coaching the oh, Warriors yeah. and hadn't had the, the post-Bulls career or post-playing career yeah. that, that he's had, I don't, I don't think he's anything more than Will Purdue or, or Judd Bushler. Oh, in, no, in that's that wrong. No, he's John Paxson. <laughs> he's John Paxson. He actually made clutch shots. And that's not – I love Judd Bushler. Uh, I'm a, I'm assuming you don't remember this because you weren't <laughs> raised in Chicago, Illinois, but our local like alternative station, Q101, had the Judd Bushler fan club. And ah. every once in a while, they would put in Judd Bushler in like the fourth quarter of a game, and there'd be like a shot in like the top tier of the United Center of a bunch of like kids – when like Judd Bushler fan club shirts. So like, yeah, I know Judd. 
Steve Kerr was like 10 times more important than Judd Bushler, even though Judd Bushler appears to be having a very cool surfer lifestyle right now. He, he definitely does. You know, it's it's so funny. I does the name Steve Scheffler mean anything to you? No, it's familiar, but I don't know why. Okay, so Chef was the 12th man on almost every George Carl Sonics team. Oh, okay. So, and the guy is an absolute cult hero. We had him on the podcast a couple weeks ago. Um, not entirely sure when, when we'll release that episode, but every person that I've, you know, I'm talking to Hall of Famers, I'm talking to All-Stars, like legit legends. And there's Scheffler, who was the 12th man. And it's Scheffler that gets the biggest reaction when I say, oh, you know, we interviewed Steve Scheffler. We're like, what? Are you kidding me? Steve Scheffler? <laughs> so it's, it, I think it's kind of got that that Judd Bushler thing where the, those guys that were spending a lot of time on, on the bench, every man quality to them. That, that might really be the best the athlete career because your body's not torn up. You're you're probably not crazy rich, but you're probably well off. You've traveled the world in extremely high pressure situations, but you weren't in the high. You personally weren't in the high pressure situations. You got to see the greatest athletes of all time do the most amazing feats, and didn't pay a dime for it, and got paid to do it, and you got a bunch of free Gatorade. Mm-hmm. That's a no, cool it's, life. It's a, it's a pretty sweet gig, and I I even asked Shuffler because he. BA could get some minutes on a crappy team. And he was just so unbelievably honest. He said, you know, I sucked at basketball. Right? I couldn't have played anywhere else. He was just so lucky to to even be the 12th man. And if you go back through history, there are not a lot of 12th man, 12th men that that stick around for five plus seasons on the same team. Damn. Usually it's you get 10 I mean, he was an integral part to that team. And additionally, was very crucial to, to Sean Kemp's development because Chef was not afraid of anybody and he would just bang on Sean in, in practices. So that's that's part of the reason why they kept him around for so long. Uh, personally, who's your number one Sonic of all time? Is it Kemp or is it Peyton? My wife asked me that yesterday. To me, it's Sean. I I just... And there's no, no rhyme or reason to it. Mm-hmm. I think if we're looking statistically or... Their contributions to the Sonics, it's it's Gary. Mm-hmm. But when I was young, I played power forward. And to to see the things that that Sean did in real time, and, and going back and and watching some of those highlight reels on YouTube, it, it's a sight to behold. Yeah. Um. You know, for for as much as I, I love Gary, Sean is is my number one all time Sonic. What does LeBron need to do to become the greatest NBA player of all time? It's the, the easy answer is he needs to win six titles. He needs to win seven titles. Mm. I don't. I, I go back and forth on not if, if he's a GOAT because I don't think anybody's ever going to eclipse Michael. But, you know, the, the question becomes, like you said, what does he need to do? And I'm not sure... Maybe it is swinging the election. Yeah. Uh, but, but to me, the and I know there's arguments against this, the finals losses, and he just, he's not a killer the way MJ was. He's he's become a killer more so than he was. But that that quality that, that Michael had, I think, I don't know if you could say it's 
at, at a sociopath. Level. Yeah, he's a sociopath. Uh, that's that's what it is. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Le- LeBron doesn't have it. So without that, I don't, I don't know. I think LeBron, when it's all said and done, or you could probably say it now, he's had the best career of anybody in NBA history. Uh-huh. I mean, what what he what he has done for the last 17, 18 years is is staggering, and to to do it at such a high level. But to me, Jordan's the best player, and and that there's nothing LeBron can do to to change that, in my opinion. If one of those men was going to be the general manager of the Sonics, who would you prefer? Jeez. (laughs) That's that's a tough one. Do we know what LeBron's... I I mean, I guess... I'm trying to defend him. I'm going to go the last 10 years of whoever LeBron has played for. LeBron wanted to play with them. This is true. Um, Ipso facto, he has been a GM. I'm I'm grasping for a way to... To give Michael not here, but yeah. It's probably yeah, let's wrong. talk about the there's, ten there's last years. Michael of... has done. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, on, on a personal a personnel level, and that's. I mean, I think, like I said, prior to the last dance, like you know what, Michael's been a a, a terrible owner and mm-hmm. a terrible NBA executive. Um, he has such a, a powerful voice that he doesn't use. And what that? What the hell has he done? I feel like he's he's just wasted it. Um, so. What the last dance did for me was, oh no, he, he is still the greatest. I'm, I'm a total sucker, by the way. Uh, <laughs> so, Le- LeBron is, yeah, I, I think I would trust him with, with the personnel decisions over Michael, unfortunately. Yeah, because he's, yeah, he's not insane. Yes, not insane. <laughs> he, he's probably a, a better judge talent. He's, he's not going all in on. on I wouldn't even put Michael or Adam Morrison. In the the six championships he's won, like I wouldn't even put him in the top five players I would want to be the GM of my team. No, I mean, I did. How do you even make a claim for him as as even a a halfway decent general manager? Yeah, he's bad or, at this or owner or executive. And again, I don't know. I question how much he's he's doing on the day to day side. But if you look at what he was doing when he was running the Wizards or, or running the then Bobcats before he became the owner those were all kind of in line with with the decisions that they currently make i'm, I'm sure he's he's got some input it it wouldn't be michael to not not have some say somewhere but for somebody that that was so great on the court to see them struggle in, in such a capacity um on the other side of it on the front office side is is pretty shocking who are you rooting for in the 2021 season because it's not going to be 2020. It's going to be probably just the 2021. Just 2021. Season. Yeah. You know, I'm. I have no, no allegiances at this point. Okay. I, I would love to see Golden State make another run at it. I. Uh, I'm kind of an adopted Blazers fan. Oh, well, that I makes sense. Saying that. Yeah, my my wife's from Portland. Every year, actually, one of my best friends is from Chicago. Huge Bulls fan. Um. So him and I, we've, we've done this the last three years. Hopefully we'll, we'll be able to continue it, but I'm not sure that's uh, that's in the cards for, for 2021. We'll, we'll drive down to Portland and, and catch a game, which is awesome. We, yeah. we really enjoy doing this. So and, and Lillard to me is just, I love everything about Lillard's game. So would love to see the Blazers get farther um, and, and really put... They put a, on a, a good showing in the bubble. They put on a great showing in the bubble. 
I think they're still a few pieces away. Um, I I was calling upset against the Lakers in oh, the sure. first round. And, you and, and Stephen A. Or was it Barkley? It was Barkley. Yeah. There, there were a couple people on that train. I got We had Ryan Rossillo on the Truth and Basketball podcast, and both him and George Carl laugh me laugh me out of uh out of the recording pretty much i was i was embarrassed and for a minute i'm like oh i'm gonna make these guys just pay blazer blazers are taking this and yeah that was four losses later i i looked uh, pretty foolish in my prediction uh i hope you get a team sooner rather than later obviously um final question do you worry that you're raising your daughter to be a fan of a thing that will never exist. No. Okay. I don't, I'd rather not think that way. She's got, <laughs> she's a great 79 Sonics retro tee that she's, okay. she's wearing today. Oh, that's great. Uh, coincidentally. My hope is, is that by the time she's somewhere between five and eight, there's a team here. I can take her to games Regardless, if, if there isn't a team, I will uh, see to it that, that she knows a good deal about Sonic's basketball, about Sonic's history, and is standing right next to me trying to get a team here. So you pretty much mean you're just going to like buy a, an NBA Jam arcade for the house and just say play? That's, that's absolutely happening. There's been talk about putting some of my old Sonic's posters up in a room. Any, anything, I mean, as a, as a parent, I'm sure you know this, but we have unbelievable power over our, our children's thoughts. Oh, yeah. So and any way to indoctrinate my daughter as, as a Sonics fan, I, I will take that route. It's Last thing here, uh, the, the last time that, that we were in Portland, um, you know, walking around the concourses, checking stuff out, thinking, oh, you know, maybe maybe I should get get Harper a, a blazer shirt, something something that uh, that she'd appreciate. And I, I had this on for maybe five seconds. And I said to myself, what the hell are you thinking? How could you even begin to consider buying her any Blazers paraphernalia whatsoever? That's the stupidest idea you've ever had. I love that that's the stupidest idea you ever had. That's a good, Oh, hands down. That's I mean, how, how could I do that to her? Perfect life. <laughs> Honestly, is that the second most impressive stadium other than the Garden? Maybe the Alamo. Have, have you been to a lot of a lot of the arenas? I've been to probably no, not at all. I've been to very few basketball arenas. Um, but just from like a TV perspective, it's one of the few unique ones. Ironically, the Rose Garden bears a lot of similarities to Key Arena. What really? Was Key Arena. Oh, I'm sorry. From, from a sightline perspective, and it's it's a lot smaller. Most of today's arenas are just giant uh, airplane hangars. I mean, you probably you know this like. The where the Wizards play is not like that. Not intimate or not like a. It's like right. It's neither. It's in the middle. It's like the most middle of the road stadium possible. Really? Because to me, so I was go, I was going to to Wizards game coming Wizards games coming off of the Sonics games at Key Arena, mm-hmm. and it was originally the MCI Center. What it, it's not the Verizon Center anymore, is it? No, they just changed it to the Capital One Arena. Okay, that's that's like what it is. Yeah, so. I mean, that place to me was just massive. Oh no, no yeah, way. It, no, I, I was like, this place sucks. <laughs> I can't, I cannot believe that people pay to watch NBA games here. That was, that was shocking to me. No, I don't think it's that. I mean, the United center feels bigger. The United center is, I've been to the United center. Um, 
you probably have a better perspective on it than me. I, I felt like they were both pretty damn big. Um, and, and look, it, it's coming from years and years going to yeah. what originally was was Seattle Center Coliseum and and became Key Arena, um, which was bigger than the Coliseum, but still that you know you were almost on top of those players. It, it was an awesome place to watch a basketball game. Well, I hope you get to do that one day, and uh, I hope it's for the Sonics. Thank you. Me too.